Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Talking in Circles. I am Clayton Caldwell with Philip Matthew here. As we bring you Talking in Circles, we're going to discuss the weekend that was from Darlington Raceway, a triple header weekend this past weekend at Darlington Raceway. You had a Cup Series uh, on Sunday. The Truck Series was also ran on Sunday afternoon. And then the Xfinity Series race on Saturday. It was Kevin Harvick and Victor Lane for the Cup race. Uh, Xfinity Brandon Jones won his third race of the year. That's an interesting topic in itself. And then Brett... Ben Rhodes won the Truck Series race. All the races had dramatic finishes or, um, you know, the winners were somebody you didn't really see in the middle of the race. You didn't expect to win, so we'll discuss all that. Of course, news of the day here, a couple of little tidbits. One, Tom Majeski out, Trevor Bain in, the number 45 truck for Nice Motorsports. Majeski was supposed to run the entire season for Nice Motorsports. He's out at Richmond, Trevor Bain, who drove that uh, truck last week. The former Daytona 500 champion is in the 45 truck this weekend at Richmond. We'll discuss that. Also, of course, the big news of the day, which is Auto Club Speedway in Fontana, California, turning into a half-mile short track. We're going to discuss that, what we think, and if it will work. 917-889-8280. That is the number to call here tonight on Talking in Circles. But let's get right to it. The Cookout Southern 500 from Darlington Raceway. Uh, it was Kevin Harvick in victory lane and, and a race that, um, you know, when you looked at it, you didn't really see Kevin Harvick most of the day. He wasn't been at the best race car, but, you know, an incident that started with um, Martin Trix Jr. and Chase Elliott, sure enough, puts, puts them in, in trouble. They hit the outside wall. A blown tire for, for Truex, a blown tire for Chase Elliott. And uh, Chase was able to limp around and finish 20th. Truex had to pit, uh, and it cost him, put him in a 20-second position, cost him a lap. So uh, that was the incident that really put Kevin Harvick, who was running third at that point, in front, and Harvick was able to hold off. What were your thoughts on the the finish of the Southern 500 there? Yeah, it was definitely uh, one that, when you consider Chase Elliott, what happened to him, at Darlington earlier this year, uh, getting wrecked by Kyle Busch. And then Martin Truex, his great spotter, goes in his arrogance, goes and talks about him winning stages. And then he can't, him and, and Truex together can't figure out a way to pass a car cleanly. And he was up old Clyde. And uh, that was a bad deal. I mean, Truex had the best car by far, should have won that deal. And he gave it away. He ran over. Clyde. So now Clyde has basically checks to cash with every single uh, JGR, empl- currently employed JGR driver. Uh, I mean, Chris Bell hasn't done anything to him yet, but figure that'll be coming soon. Uh, but I mean, Kevin Harvick, there's a reason why he's kind of like the great drivers of the past that have won many times at Darlington. He sat back. He didn't have the best car, as you said, Clayton. But when it when time came to show up and do what he had to do, he did. So, uh, I mean, for eight wins this year, 57 for his career, um, I mean, another Southern 500. It's a second Southern 500 win in the last, I think, six or seven years. Um, I mean, it's a big deal for Kevin Harvick. Locks himself in. I mean, granted, let's let's be completely honest. He's He's got coasting room to get through two rounds anyways. Uh, it was really to try to get it advanced to Phoenix, which was going to be kind of the question. 
But now that he's done what he has done, uh, he gets to coast, really coast, um, towards the round of eight, really. And uh, some of the other guys that uh, finished in the top five had some pretty good runs, too. Yeah, and I'll tell you, the guy I was really impressed with was Austin Dillon, too, there in second, as as I'm sure you were going to allude to. Um, A guy who, you know, a lot of people will probably feel that lucked into the playoffs with a a win there uh, at Michigan and kind of stole one, as people would say. But, you know, he went out there, and he wasn't the fastest car. There's no question. He probably would have finished, you know, fourth or fifth if it wasn't for the incident between Truex and Chase Elliott. But, you know, at the end, he started charging Kevin Harvick, and even at, on the la- final lap, sure, he didn't make it inch. You know, I'm sure Harvick wasn't sweating, but he drove his rear end off those last five laps. He really wanted to win that race. Um, I thought he, he gave it a heck of a run in that three car. And, you know, again, you sit there and go, well, he would have finished fourth without Elliott and Truex having problems. Sure, but he would have beaten Logano. He'd beat Eric Jones. He'd beat William Byron. He'd beat Kyle and Kurt Busch. He'd beat a lot of really, really good cars that have been beating him all year. Um, so a solid run for him. Joey Logano, a guy who we haven't really seen um, running in the top five very often since the pandemic. A nice solid run for him. I thought Eric Jones had a good day. And William Byron, who won at Daytona last week, obviously, to come out here at the track to tough the team for a young driver in this first playoff race at Darlington uh, to, to get himself, you know, feeling a little good as far as points were concerned and getting enough points. William Byron had a solid day too there, Philip. And yeah, you go and see what uh, Dylan did to get a second place finish. He was trying to add another major to his resume. I mean, he has three wins in his career, and two of them are majors. So if he had won Darlington, it would have been huge for the organization. It would have been the first time I think RCR has won at Darlington since probably Earnhardt. Um, that would have been something. Um, but, you know, that. You got him, you got, you mentioned William Byron. And some of these guys that are probably fringe, fringe candidates to go and make it to the second round were able to go and make some points and put themselves in a in position to do what they had to do. And uh, you just got to give them credit. It's not, it, to race 500 miles, albeit it's nowhere near the same as what it used to be when we both started watching uh, this sport, it's still a, it's a tough slog. It's really it's one of the more uh, trying races in in all of NASCAR. And to for for Dylan to get that second, Logano had a damaged race car to get a top five out of it. It's one of his better runs he's had in, I think, in about three months. Eric Jones was one of, I think, three, two guys for sure that really ran well uh, that were out of the playoff um, all day. And uh, he actually got to show the finish, get the finish to show for it. And, uh, I mean, that's in Byron. Uh, going and utilizing the momentum from last week, going and giving himself a little bit of a, a cushion. Um, right now, uh, he's only 12 points ahead of 14th, but in the end, that's that's still a decent gap. It's not too bad. Um, you know, Sage could go and change that, but uh, Byron is kind of utilizing that momentum 
from getting getting that win there and uh, putting himself in a position to try to go and make a second round, which would be a good deal for that organization and Hendrick Motorsports as well. For sure. And if you go through the uh, the finishing results a little bit deeper, uh, we have Alex Bowman in sixth, Cobb Bush seventh, Kurt Bush eighth, ninth, Erica Marola and Clint Boer tenth. I think a lot of those, uh, Kurt probably wanted to finish a little bit better than he did. He was up in the top five for a little bit part of the day and, and just kind of, you know, finished eighth, which isn't a terrible one. But a couple of guys that really stand out to me, 11th, 12th, and 13th, as you go a little bit deeper. 11th was Brad Keselowski, and you sit there and go, well, for Brad Keselowski, that's not a very good run. But considering that he had a tire go down, hit the outside wall early in the event, for them to battle back, I think he fell a lap down at one point, for them to yep. battle back and, and salvage a halfway decent day out of it. I mean, it, you know, I remember uh, watching when that accident happened, you know, they said, I had somebody ask me, who's out of the race? And somebody said, well, Brad Keselowski said, well, he's not out yet, but he's about to be out. And, you know, I thought it was going to be a, a day where he was going to lose a lot of points, and it was going to be, okay, he's going to have to have an uphill battle here at Richmond come next week. But they were able to salvage a decent day out of it. And I know 11th isn't great, but you've got to hold your head high if you're them. Also, Cole Custer, he's a rookie driver. I know he's been to Darlington before in Xfinity. That's a pretty darn good run for a young kid out there in 12th. And Denny Hamlin, who was a better car than 13th all day, there's no question, went down, uh, missed the pits on, on a pit cycle there, and it really, really hurt him. And he lost his track position, was never able to uh, regain it. So, to me, Philip, those guys, 11th, 12th, and 13th, had some really interesting days. Yeah, I, I went and sent a message to you in, in our group chat with uh, yourself and Spencer, and I said, oh, that's over. There you go. That's the end of the play. That's it. That's the end of his championship. He hit the wall in the first stage. He didn't even score points. I'm like, this is the championship. It reminded me of Kirk Bush last year. He had so much momentum uh, during that year, and he had accumulated so many points, and he'd outrun his teammate for most of that year. And then he blows the tire at Las Vegas, and that basically the bottom fell out on the one team. And at that around that time, I mean, basically August last year, it kind of shifted, and it went towards the 42 team. And I felt like that was what was going to happen. But you have to give Ballins and that whole group a lot of credit. Keselowski, a former winner of this race, to go and show, go and grind out a a 11. It sound it doesn't it isn't pretty, it wasn't pretty. But at the end of the day, he's fourth in points. He's only five points behind Joey Logano, and he's got a forty near forty point gap on 16th. So, I mean, right now he's okay. You need to get some stage points here at Richmond and at Bristol to kind of solidify your spot. But you know, there's a damage limitation. That's a championship uh, type of 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 deal to go and basically be out of it and uh, not be able to get the lap back early and uh, come back. Hamlin had, uh, just like Truex, I mean, it was really a Joe Gibbs benefit most of the night, and Denny Hamlin made a mistake that he's known for doing, and uh, something that we have to watch later as we get towards Phoenix uh, when this deal really comes to a head when he has to go against Kevin Harvick head-to-head probably for this championship. Uh, it's a mistake like that, which uh, Denny Hamlin has been known to do uh, in key situations. Um, 
and uh, they gave away <clears throat> a likely top five finish there. Uh, finishing 13th doesn't matter. He's got so many stage and playoff points, it doesn't make a difference. He's okay. Both him and Harvick are going to be okay getting through two rounds of this playoff outside of just of an absolute catastrophe. Um, but, yeah, and then Cole, Cole Custer, as you mentioned, I mean, a rookie, the, the rookie of the year, uh, because NASCAR in their infinite wisdom decided that where wherever you are in, uh, in points before the playoffs start is where you finish. Or I, I don't know whoever came up with that logic. Uh, I think the, the, they've screwed up the rookie deal just as they've done oh, so many other deals over the years. But uh, Cole Custer actually looked like the best rookie out there. I mean, I think Bell had a couple moments but really wasn't there. Reddick ran a little better than what he ended up finishing. Uh, he made he was up there top 15 all, for a good part of the race, and I think probably hit the wall or something in the 1995 paint scheme, not the rookie scheme, even though – Richard Childress Racing was selling it as though it was Jeff Burton's rookie scheme, but it wasn't. Um, but a uh, good deal for Cole Custer, uh, a day where he doesn't move himself off the bubble, but he basically ties his teammate in, um, or he's only three points behind his two teammates. So right now, you know, you have one Stuart Haas car that's in, and there's a possibility that two Stuart Haas cars could get eliminated. Uh, but, you know, I think if Cole Custer can run well these next couple of weeks, he could get himself in and make a second-round appearance, which would be pretty impressive considering how bad he was uh, for a while here this season. Yeah, he started the year off rough, and, you know, he's really performed well here as of late. That's certainly something uh, Cole Custer has really improved throughout the year. That's certainly something that's been very noticeable as I go through the rest of this field, there's a bunch of guys here, and, and I want to get to two guys in particular that uh, really had a tough day. A couple guys here who some of them had decent days and some of them struggled. And Matt Kenseth, 14th. I mean, that 42 car has been off all year, so 14th isn't actually too bad for how he's been performing. Ryan Newman finished 15th. Same deal with the Rash Fenway teams. They haven't been great. Michael McDowell, another solid top 20 run. I mean, that car has just been up there. It seems like every week he finishes in the top 20 recently. Ryan Priest, a decent run in 17th. Jimmy Johnson had some issues. He finished 18th. Ricky Stenhouse Jr., 19th. And then Chase Elliott, we talked about what happened with him. He finished 20th. And, you know, when you go to 20th through 24th, there's two guys in here I wanted to discuss. Um, and two guys – there's four guys I wanted to discuss. But two I look at that really had a poor day, and two you look at and say, well – I'd rather be them. For for one, we talk about Chase Elliott, Martin Truex Jr., Chase in 20th, Truex Jr. in 22nd. Um, they had very, very fast race cars. They were running for the lead with, with 15 to go when they had their incident, and uh, you know, and, and ended up in, and they had speed all day, which is a good thing. Truex had, had decent speed all year. Same thing with Chase. I think they're going to get to the next round, no problem. But the two guys I would be really hanging my head low here uh, and really scratching my head are Matthew Benedetto and Zion Blaney. And Blaney had a problem from the beginning. They, I mean, it's inexcusable what happened with Todd Gordon there uh, leaving what was a, uh, I guess, a, ba- a bag that they, they leave in there for, to, to simulate the fuel, the fuel weight of, of the uh, 12 car when they're in the shop. And it was left in there, and, and the car came in over, and he got suspended for the race trip. I'm sorry, yeah, Blaney had to start from the rear of the field. And he was never really 
great from them. They also had a, a, a weird issue on pit road where Blaney was kind of, you know, just they had a weird incident on pit road where they, it seemed like they, they, the jack came off the car and he didn't go. And it was just, it was very, very odd. And you could chalk that up to, you know, Todd Gordon not being on the pit box and being having a guy control the pit crew who really doesn't know, has really never done that before. And in a playoff race, that's almost inexcusable. So Blaney to me was one of the guys that you look at and you say, what the heck happened? And that's even a ghetto. I mean, I'd rather be Blaney because at least you can sit there and say, well, we had we had our issues and we can we know there's some speed in the in the 12 car. But Di Benedetto in the 21 was nowhere to be found all day. We finished the lap down in 21st. Uh, was back there battling for maybe a top 20 all day. Um, you know, this is a guy who's fighting for his his ride next year, honestly. And you know, to go out there and run the way they did uh, was a very disappointing day for the Wood Brothers car. That's for sure. Oh, that. There, the the Di Benedetto thing. I wanted to confirm what I was thinking. He hasn't had a top ten finish since the second race at Michigan, and otherwise he's been out in the teens or the twenties for the last five races, and and six out of the last seven, he had a thirty sixth place finish at Kansas. Going back further than that, he. The reality is, pre-COVID, they had been really solid. Yeah, Daytona 500 didn't go as well as they went wanted, but he had top 15s and he had a good run at Darlington too. Then we kind of saw the trend going the other way uh, with the races, and then yeah, he ran well at Martinsville in the night race there, the first po- the second Pocono race he ran well, and so you'd have. You'd have signs of something good, but in the grand scheme of things, the 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 performance fall off for D. Benedetto has been bad enough. Where you know Jimmy Johnson was a top five car all night. He came from twenty first or twenty second or whatever he was, and he was running top five. And I don't know, I can't remember what happened to him, but. That car deserved a better finish in twenty second or twenty whatever he did, and but Di Benedetto was nowhere. He was absolute garbage all all night. Unfortunately for him and Reddit and his and his people, um, it, it was a nightmare scenario. And and now his points deficit to the cutoff is seventeen points to Eric Almirola. And, I mean, God bless Matthew Benedetto. I don't see how he's going to make up 17 points on three guys uh, and then add a little bit more if you want to go against the Bush brothers. I, I, I mean, he was a one and done, I think, before we started this playoff anyway. But the Southern 500 basically locked it up. Um, he's not going to – I don't think he's going to finish ahead of Jimmy Johnson in points once they zero everything back out to regular. I think Jimmy Johnson's going to get past him uh, by the end of this year uh, just based on performance. And uh, it's a shame uh, Di Benedetto may end up going in and regressing to the 32 car again. But, uh, you know, they, they had a good run at it, and uh, they made the playoff, and – you know, Blaney, it, it, Todd Gordon's been known for doing these sort of things. Todd Gordon did this a couple of years ago with Joey Logano, and it almost ended their partnership. 
and uh, they kept it together. It was 17, and they missed the playoffs altogether, the Chase. And then in 18, of course, they came through and, and won the Cup Series championship. So it worked out. But Todd Gordon's been known for doing bonehead calls on pit road, bonehead decisions like this. And then the 12 car ran like how Paul Menard usually ran most of the races of his career. And uh, he was nowhere. And Blaney, I'll tell you, stepping on your joint like that is bad and giving up that many points uh, when you don't have that much to give is, is, is really tough, especially in the cup series. I mean, I think you could do it in the Xfinity or trucks, but in the cup series, there's too many relatively good cars to give up points like that. And uh, it's going to be hard. I, I don't know if Blaney can win on a short track. Uh, yeah, definitely hasn't shown that he's shown speed at short tracks in his career, but he wrecks a lot. He's had a lot of wrecks at Bristol. Um, Richmond has been kind of a mad track for him. I think it's basically win or go home or else he's going to have a shocking elimination here in the first round. That's one thing that's kind of paying solves for Stuart Haas is that Blaney, I don't know how they're going to be able to recover because uh, they've had so many like like body blows all year. At some point, it's going to have to give. And I think what happened at, at Darlington on Sunday might be the – basically the beginning of the end for uh, that 12 team in 2020. 917-889-8280, that's the number to call if you want to discuss anything we're talking about here. Talking about the cup race at Darlington and anything that really stood out to us, uh, let's talk about the playoff points here quick. I know, I know it was only one race into the playoffs, and there's a lot that can happen between now with stage points and all that kind of stuff, but uh, – you know, is there one guy, you know, we talk about Matt Bandetto. he's 17 points behind 12th. Same thing with Ryan Blaney, he's 17 points behind 12th. Then you got a bunch of drivers who are pretty close. You know, um, Austin Dillon's only 10 points to the good. William Byron's 90, he's 9 points to the good. Kyle Busch is 7 points to the good. Kurt Busch is 4. And Amarola and Clint Boyer are tied for 12th and 13th. Amarola gets it because of a better finish uh, last week. But um, I guess of those guys there, Philip. Is there somebody that you're looking at saying they need to pick it up that you're a little concerned about? I know, um, again, it's only one race, but is there somebody you're kind of looking at looking at the races ahead and saying, oh, they better pick it up because I'm kind of worried about them as far as making the playoffs? Who's that guy? Um, it, it could be even Blaney or Di Benedetto, but who's that guy that you really look at and you think they better pick it up or, or they're in trouble? Yeah, I mean, going just based on the previous point, Clayton, I, I think for Blaney and Di Benedetto – for different reasons, they need to really pick up their pace um, because of, I mean, one, Di Benedetto hasn't proven that he probably belongs past this first round. Blaney needs this for a morale boost and a lot of things. If he could go and win at a short track, it would be a big deal for his career, let alone making an advancement into a round where I think it would fit, it would suit him better in terms of the racetracks that they're going to be going to. I look at Clint, I'll, I'll go different. I'll go Clint Boyer. Yeah, he had a good run. Uh, for him, relative to what he's usually doing, getting a top 10 finish in, in that race was, was a good deal in the Kyle Petty tribute. And, uh, but he's still right on the bubble. He's right outside the bubble. There's not a whole lot 
there that would make you believe the way he's run this year relative to his teammates that he's going to be able to beat them. I mean, frankly, you have Cole Custer, who was nowhere. He backed into a win. God bless him, he backed into a win. But he won. Quinn Boyer has not won a race since Michigan in 2018. You know, he has two top fives and eight top tens this year in, in, in that car. I mean, his average finish, I think, is like a position better than Di Benedetto. And then his, his, his father talking about how he wants to come back and all this, that, and the other thing. I'm like, what the heck has he done to justify coming back? I mean, yeah, he had 18 top ten last year, but he finished freaking he finished ninth in points. Okay, he made two he made two rounds, but I mean, what is he has to do something here? I mean, we're talking he's taking Chase he's running Chase Briscoe sponsor this week at at, uh, at Richmond, so I mean, it looks pretty good. It might as well be Chase Briscoe driving. Mean, why don't you go and put Chase Briscoe in the freaking car? For all the people who love Kyle Larson, like Spencer, let's go and put Spencer in there. But Put Kyle Larson in the car. He put Spencer in the car. He probably one of us could do better than freaking Clint Boyer. I'll say it. Um, the the fact of the matter is, Clint Boyer has to show up uh, to advance into this second round too, uh, because I at first I just feel like Cole Custer and Eric Almirola are running better than him um, on a per week basis, or they could go and put in a a, a hit and run kind of performance like what what uh, Cole did to win that race at Kentucky or what like Dylan did to win at Texas or they could do that. I don't see Klausmeyer got suspended too, actually, you know, Adam Stevens got suspended. Uh, Klausmeyer got suspended, I think for Lugs. So, I mean, you, you've got that to play, put that into the, the deal coming into this weekend. Will, at, at the place where Spingate happened, uh, so the anniversary of Spingate all those years ago for all Quinn Boyer. So see if he can go and show up on uh, Saturday night at a track where he has one at the court. Yeah, this, uh, the good thing for Boyer is that he's, a good, he's very good on short tracks, um, and he can get a lot of stage points and maybe pull off a win. You know, and he's got two short tracks coming up. Richmond and Bristol. So, you know, in this round. So that's huge. If you're good on short tracks, you know, that's your bread and butter. They they really have to perform this weekend. There's no question about that. Uh, I'll tell you a guy I'm, I'm, I'm a little concerned about, and I, I think this is going to surprise a lot of people, and I'll probably regret saying this because he'll go out and win one of these next two. But I'm going to tell you, I'm worried about Kyle Busch, and I'll tell you why. Um, I think Kyle finds him in a race where Kyle Busch looks – like, okay, they're figuring it out, guys. Here comes Kyle Busch, you know, methodically moving his way through the field. You go, wow. Okay, Kyle Busch is, is seventh. Okay, now he's sixth. Okay, here comes Kyle. Fifth, fourth. Gets up there, and you're like, okay, great. Stage ends. They make an adjustment. All of a sudden, Kyle Busch starts to go backwards. And, you know, that's very unlike him. Um, and to me, they just haven't had the raw speed this year in that 18 car to – make a deep run into these playoffs. Now, he might be able to get into the next round, but I don't see him going too deep into these playoffs. The guy's the defending champion of the series, by the way. Um, it's just been a struggle. Kurt Busch as well. Uh, I don't think Ganassi's really been as 
stout as they have been in, in years past. There's probably a number of reasons for that, but Kurt's another guy who, you know, it seems like in the middle, early part of the race, they might look good, and all of a sudden they fade toward the end. And, uh, you know, they pay the most points at the end. Sure, stage points help, but they pay the most points at the end. And uh, I think, you know, those guys really need to put a whole race together, and they haven't yet, they have yet to do that, um, you know, at least in a while for Kyle Busch and Kurt Busch. So those are the two guys I'm looking at that I'm, I'm a little concerned about uh, as well as we get ready to go um, to Richmond this weekend. Uh, so that was the Southern 500. Some news this weekend, Philip, for the Cup, for all series, um, for the Cup series, you know, and it kind of ties into the Southern 500. If you remember, who could forget in 2004 when they moved the Labor Day weekend, historic Labor Day weekend event, out to Auto Club Speedway. And, you know, sure enough, five, six years later, they moved it to Atlanta, and then it came back to Darlington where it belongs. Uh, they should have never moved it. But um, Auto Club Speedway is in the news today. And it's a, yep. a part of the news that's something I've been I've been clamoring on for a long, long time. And the fact that we need more short tracks. And, and I wrote an article on FrontStretch.com about a month or two ago basically saying we're in trouble because we don't have any short tracks even on the horizon to add to the Cup Series. You know, there was nothing in Xfinity. Iowa, they're talking about taking the Iowa away. So there's nothing on the on even the horizon in Xfinity or the Truck Series that could potentially get to the Cup Series. And I'm like, you know, this is a problem because fans are clamoring short tracks. We haven't added a short track in the Cup Series since 1971. You know, what's going yeah. on here? And then all of a sudden they, they announced today that all Cup Speedway is going to get reconfigured after the 2021 event. They're going to run the 2021 event on the on the two-mile racetrack they got out there right now. Then they're going to make it a half-mile short track with long straightaways like Martinsville and high banks like Bristol. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how they can how they can do it, Philip. Uh, I think the jury's still out on whether or not this racetrack's going to work. But let me just say this, and I'm, this is somebody who doesn't like to give NASCAR a lot of credit because I don't think they do a very good job a lot of the times. But I, I, this is a out-of-the-box thinking. Now, I would love to see them go to a, a track, a short track that, you know, they don't own or, or they don't control, but, you know, that's never going to happen. Um, but I, I appreciate the fact that they understand that we want to see more short tracks, and they're going to give us a short track at Auto Club Speedway. With that being said, though, I, don't, I hope this isn't it. I hope they don't just say, well, we gave you Auto Club, there's four short tracks, that's it, boom, we're done. We're not going to give you any more short tracks. No, I want to see more short tracks in trucks. I want to see more short tracks in exiting. NASCAR is built for short tracks. Short track racing is what NASCAR is and has been about. Um, so this is a step in the right direction, Philip. I'm, I'm thrilled about Auto Club Speedway, but I don't want it to stop. What are your thoughts on, on today's news about Auto Club Speedway? Well, I was I I didn't know that I didn't know if you knew, so I was I was sitting there bored at work and having conversations on Twitter. And next thing you know, I see uh, Glock and post that deal, and I said it to you, and you're like, "Really?" Because it makes no sense. It, it, there's no way that you would believe that that could be the case. Um, NASCAR, they're not known, as you said rightly that they and we're going to talk about it in the Xfinity race and I'm going to save probably save what I really want to say for a little later but I'm curious to see what they're going to do with this racetrack I'm curious to see if there are they going to make it like an amphitheater because you have that sweeping front straightaway how much are they going to keep the d-shaped 
part of the fun straightaway and then make like these crazy bank like is it going to be like cars the movie cars or some of the video nascar video games are they going to incorporate some of those things and make this like a, a fantasy track and make this what you know fans really want and make it something that people want to go to in in uh la and possibly bring back to race state race dates there you know that would i think at the end of the day isc and you know the daytona beach mafia and all they want to have la be a thing they want atlanta with smi to be a thing they want these big cities to be a thing it's why eddie gusage still has a job it and if if ACS can be remade, the reality is that track is so bad in terms of condition. They've never repaved the racetrack. It's the same repaved. It's the same pavement they've had since 1996 when they made this racetrack. And trucks and Indy cars ran there, and carts not not the cart ran there in '96. It's the same pavement. You could run stadium super trucks on that thing. And it would seem like it's relatively smooth. You could drive, for us, we drive over potholes and stuff. That would be pretty chill, whatever we have to drive over. But you consider a cup car or an Xfinity car that's slammed to the ground with no suspension, and that thing's porpoising and driving and bouncing all over the back of the freeway. You probably have dentist bills going out the wazoo driving over there at at Auto Club. But now they're going to do this. We'll see what happens. I mean, they used to have some real idiots uh, running that racetrack, and uh, they're they're able to go and and hopefully they'll be able to make something of this. And uh, I'm, I'm glad uh, we need this. We need more. Uh, there are tracks that have two race states that don't need two race states. They need to go the same way as Pocono and run one weekend, two race states. That's fine, and then open up an opportunity for another racetrack to come in that is not owned by NASCAR um, and and really make the schedule diverse again. It hasn't been that way since the mid-90s, probably, uh, when the cookie-cutter boom really started. Uh, that was the last time where I think there was a lot more short track races, there was a lot more diversity within the schedule. And now there's more road courses, and we've talked about it and I know your thought, I know my thought less is more. I get it, but we need more short tracks and good actual road courses and less cookie cutter tracks and flat large ovals. That's me. Uh, Based on this crappy rules package that we're going to be stuck with, you need to have tracks where the 750 rules package runs. And that's what, those racetracks kind of have. Um, and I think if that's what happens, then we're going to be in good shape. I think if they move the 750 package, the racetracks under one and a half miles, we'd be in really good shape. That means Darlington would be a 750 race. And that would have made a whole lot of difference on Sunday uh, at the Southern 500. For sure, Philip. I agree with you, and, it's, and we're not done. You know, we've got a, a lot of tweaking to do with the package, as you mentioned, and, and to me, there's other short tracks to add. A lot of people are disappointed by the fact that all the clubs put on pretty good shows here recently because of the 
the way the asphalt is and uh, the way the cars race there. So a lot of people are a little disappointed that they're going to lose Autoclub Speedway. I understand that to, to an extent. You know, when you look at Texas, that's been a, a tough race to watch the last couple of years since their reconfiguration. Why not make that into a short track? Uh, you know, you got other options. Michigan, of course, Kansas Speedway. A lot of people would like to do that. Las Vegas, maybe. Um, although Vegas puts on a pretty good show themselves. So there's some short, there's some guy, tracks you, you could say, why don't we just tear that up and do that? But a lot of the tracks I mentioned, first of all, are SMI tracks, um, you know, and, and not ISC tracks. So for NASCAR to do it and get initiative, I, can, I do give them credit because I think this is a big expense to go out and, and make this a short track. Um, and I think it's smart because at the end of the day, you know, you, you are in the, out west, and I think the western part of the country deserves a, a good short track. They've never had a good short track out there for the Cup Series. So to see them uh, go out there and run uh, on a short track could be something very interesting. So, again, I, I think it's a good move. I like it. I hope we see this more, uh, see more short tracks. Even, in the, even if we just do it for the truck series, I'd be thrilled with that because, to me, the schedule's gotten really, really, really stale. And, and to make you know, the, the adjustments that we need to make to the schedule, we need to start them at the truck series and move them up. Uh, so hopefully, you know, with, with everything that's going on, uh, NASCAR seems to be listening to their fans finally saying, we'll give you a short track. Uh, first one since 1971, I guess you want to include Richmond, although Richmond was a short track. They made a longer short track in 1988. But still, that's still 32 years since we've added a short track. It's going to be 33 by the time we add uh, um, California out there So to, to the schedule. So it's going to be – it's been a long time, and it's certainly refreshing to add a short track to the schedule. 919 uh, – 917-889-8280. That's the number to call here tonight on Talking Circles. Uh, NASCAR Xfinity Series race. Boy, that was a heck of a finish. Probably the finish of the weekend. I know there was a lot of – of really uh, good – I thought all three races had compelling finishes and compelling endings to them when you have the truck series, which was a late race caution. That kind of threw a wrench into things. The uh, cup series, you had the incident between uh, Martin Trex Jr. and Chase Elliott. And, of course, the, the finish in the last two laps there, the Xfinity Series race between Denny Hamlin, who was really uh, – has been has been the guy in the Xfinity Series at Darlington, and Ross Chastain, who's had a, a great run at Darlington in the Xfinity Series before – that got away from him, and again here it gets away from him. He was leading. Hamlin tried to catch him and tried to pass him, and both cars slammed into the outside. Or Hamlin slammed into the outside wall, um, and Chastain ran into the back of him. That let Brandon Jones, who was running third and having a decent day, catch up and pass both of them and take the victory at Darlington. A a legendary finish that we're going to see in a lot of highlight reels for the next for years to come. Philip, uh, what were your thoughts on the Xfinity Series race at Darlington? Yeah, they got to give Brockshot Jones credit. He, he, the same way as uh, Kevin Harvick went and did what he did, uh, going and winning that deal, Chastain and Hamlin and Wilbur uh, went and ran over each other, and that was great, and that was entertaining, and it shows what a rules package with low down force and a lot more horsepower can do. And... Uh, yeah, that was a fun race. Both Xfinity races they had there this year were probably the finishes or two of the best finishes we've had, period. And uh, I'm sure Chastain wanted to win that deal, but he handled it pretty well. And I think Camlin, who's won there multiple times, he handled it relatively well for what he is. And for Brockshot Jones to go and 
and win a race in the Robert Hoffman tribute uh, was was really uh, cool. Um, not a, I'm not sure how many people really are fans of the guy of of Brandon Jones, but to throw back to one of the original guys that drove a Toyota and NASCAR. I mean, yeah, the Dash series, you can go back to Davey Allison and other people going back to the 80s, but people want to officially talk about the year 2000, Toyota Celica, the Apple, whatever is his sponsor, I, I forget. The um, it, was, it was Robert Hoffman's longtime sponsor that he ran in the Dash series. He ran in, in K&N and truck, whatever. And the emotion that, you know, Landon Huffman, who's run in the truck series in recent years, and his, his mom and his sister, and how much emotion they had that Brandon Jones won that race, that video. And, and the best part of it was Robert Huffman just sitting there with his leg crossed, and he's just like, yep, yeah, I figured that was going to happen. I'm like, that is that is so cool. That is cool as cool as the fact that Brandon Jones went and won that race. Uh, that that was pretty big deal there. Um, I mean, that race was. Uh, I, I I don't think it should have been as dramatic as that. Um, but hey, you know, uh, it will. It's uh, Xfinity Series has been the best series out of the three this, so far this year, and the fact that they're um, doing. They're they're able to continue this going to Richmond, going to Bristol. It's going to be two dramatic races um, going into this uh, playoff and having to go and uh, do what they have to do. Uh, you know, not only for the regular season title, but also for the drivers that are trying to make the playoff and then what they're trying to do to to, to hold up. And it was definitely a race that went and and uh, adjusted what the points probably should have been, uh, to be completely honest. They got two races there this weekend. Yeah, that's going to shake some things up for sure in the Xfinity Series. Uh, two races at Richmond. And, and you know, um, do you think Hamlin did anything wrong? I know there's a lot of people who were sort of, you know, I think everybody pulls for the underdog at that point. You look at it and you say, well, really it was, again, it was Ross Chastain who hasn't won an Xfinity race this year going against a cup regular has won a lot of cup races this year. He's run, uh, won his share of Xfinity Series races in his career as well. Um, and a lot of people felt like maybe Hamlin um, went in there a little bit aggressive, a lot aggressively, I should say, um, and, you know, kind of didn't really care what the outcome was going to be. And, you know, unfortunately for Ross Chastain, he wasn't able to slow down a lot and ran to the back of him. But do you think Hamlin did anything wrong, or do you think – you know, with the closing stages, you know, there's only two laps to go or a lap and a half to go when that accident happened. Uh, anything goes in, in, the, in the final couple of laps there at Darlington. What were your thoughts on that incident itself there, Philip? I mean, when you consider Ross Chastain went and used up A.J. Allmendinger the week before, and that's his teammate, uh, you know, and then you know Danny Hamlin's history for as much as he cries wolf about people racing him hard. He's willing to run over anybody and everybody. Uh, you know, you could just look at how he drives everybody for Penske Racing just to prove that point for as much as he cries wolf about driving standards. Um, you know, so I think that was just good racing. Neither of them had tires left. 
they started beating the crap out of the cars and they were losing traction. Then he tried to airmail it the same way as Truex tried to airmail it on Sunday and he missed. And I mean, this is one race a year. It, it, for Denny Hamlin, it doesn't matter. He also knows that Ross Chastain's brain doesn't really function completely all that well. And so he's liable to go and run and do the same thing. So he's like, okay, well, I think Chastain's going to go over the edge too, and I'll be able to hold up. Well, in the end, they both took each other out and gave Brandon Jones that opportunity, gave Ryan Sieg and Herbst an opportunity to get top five finishes. Uh, I mean, Riley Herbst getting top five finishes freaking scary at Darlington. It says something. But um, I think some stuff happened, which is why he was up there. Uh, yeah, I don't see anything wrong with that. It's, that's that's just racing. That's more – in the end, I guess, if we're going to say that's racing, then the the Martin Truex thing's racing. But when you consider – it's considered the source. I think uh, you don't expect Chase Elliott, theoretically, even though he did it at Bristol, for that to happen if there was the shoes on the other foot. When you consider Ross Chastain, he would have used up Denny Hamlin and put him, sent him over the wall like uh, Kelly Yarborough did back in the 60s if he had the chance. So it's fine. It came out well for people who love, uh, you know, Robert Huffman and all that and Toyota. And in the end, Toyota won anyway. So Denny Hamlin, even though he screwed the pooch, he stole, they stole Joe Gibbs won the race. So, and, they, and three Joe Gibbs yeah. cars in the top five and four in the top six. It all kind of worked out. It did, and, and I, I agree with you. I think you know at the end of those races, as much as the, I was pulling for Chastain because again, it you know it's sort of an underdog kind of feeling there with that one. Um, you know, you look at it and you say Hamlin was trying to win the race, and, and that's what he's there to do. He's there to win the race, and you know at the end of the day, uh, I don't, he didn't wreck him. You know, as much I'd much rather that than him going up there and taking him out and taking a rear, his front bumper and spitting out Ross Chastain. You know, to me, that's not wrecking. That's erasing. You know what happened with uh, Denny Hamlin and uh, Ross Chastain. So I agree with you. But a little interesting, call, uh, no caution call there, Philip, um, with oil on the racetrack. I know you wanted to get to that. Uh, what, were, what were your thoughts on that? Uh, oh God, I'm not. I, I've probably gone on too long. We probably made this thing a little longer. I, I'm going to save that. I'm going to save this for uh, the GSP. Uh, how how I really feel about it. I mean that was was bogus. That's the PC version of what I believe. Uh, Briscoe was leading the race. He led the most laps. He had a car that probably could have won. Honestly, should have won. It would have been a big deal because Austin Sindrick was nowhere most of the day. He would have gained a lot of. He'd have gained some points on him if he goes and wins that race. Instead, he only gains four points on him because NASCAR allows freaking cars to go and drive around the whole racetrack world and track down. I mean, Brett Moffitt got put in the wall. I, I forget who, who put him in the wall, but somebody went and put him right in the fence, and he, and he knocked off the oil, knocked off an oil line, and he went and oiled down the whole entire racetrack. Whole entire racetrack, you from basically turn the exit of turn four all the way through, oiled it all down. Don't even throw a caution. They'll throw a caution for a napkin. 
but they, he oils the whole track down. Don't throw a caution. Freaking Chase Briscoe goes into turn one, turn one, and, and slams the wall like Dale Jarrett did in '96, trying to go for the Winston Million. He, I, and somebody else, I think Alfredo, who went and took out um, Daniel Hamrick, went and then hit the wall too. I mean, come on. That that's come on. It, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to know there's freaking oil on the racetrack. It's it's so insulting to your to the intelligence of anybody who watches with any freaking crumb of common sense. It's it's ridiculous that you would would allow you. They talk about safety and they talk about all these things, and you just allow a car to oil down the whole entire race. You don't throw a caution. You throw a caution. Somebody's spinning halfway. You didn't even allow them to freaking straighten the car up. And you're just gonna allow a car to oil down the whole entire racetrack? I mean, come on, man. That is that is so weak. You wonder why people hey. don't take NASCAR seriously? That this is exhibit A to me. Why people think NASCAR is an effing joke. Well, I'll say this, you know, you call it all the time and your line is classic and it's so true. Uh consistently inconsistent in selective enforcement. Uh, that certainly reigns true for what happened there um, on Saturday in the NASCAR Xfinity Series event. Uh, there was a truck race also on Sunday. I don't know the first time trucks have run there in over 10 years. Uh, I thought it was a great race. Um, we saw a GMS sort of GMS benefit. You saw Sheldon Creed, but Moffitt leading. But then a caution came out where Matt Crafton got a little bit impatient with a lap, car, lap truck, spun him out, uh, and it brought up a late caution there. Uh, and it really jumped up the field, you know, with, with guys who were staying out, guys who decided to pit uh, and take tires. The GMS brigade took their – really um, decided to take their tires and go pit while a couple of other guys stayed out. Um, Derek Krause was one. The other one was uh, Ben Rhodes and uh, a few others. But Ben Rhodes was able to get a great race start there at the end. He had a decent truck, was probably a top five, top ten truck all day. But uh, – was got, got a little bit lucky, there's no question, but was able to, to get a solid restart past Derek Krause and uh, hold him off for the victory. His first one of the year, his first one in, the, in, a, in a long time for Ben Rose. What were your thoughts on the uh, Truck Series event from Darlington? I mean, I was – when I, I – I think there was other stuff going on at that point in the afternoon. I was, I was kind of – I had already – basically figured I'd already watched I think the first stage and a half and it was the two and the 23 dominated Sheldon Creed and the Jimmy Johnson throwback even though FS1 couldn't get that right uh, it was a Jimmy Johnson Herzog throwback and it was awesome Uh, then you had the 23 which is another Fabi outs and Davy outs and uh, tribute there with with uh, Moffitt, those two guys had the best trucks, uh, and it it should have been between one of those two guys. Uh, you count Ankrum; he was making some crazy restarts. You even count the twenty one truck running a Chevy with Wood Brothers colors, which yeah, it's kind of crazy. But Zane Smith was up there. I mean, it was, the, these uh, GMS benefits have been going on for. For a couple months now, and 
it was a GMS benefit, and it should have been, and they probably should have won the steal. But similar to what happened with Joe Gibbs Racing on Sun uh, later that day in another 550 rules package, kind of similar rules package kind of deal. Uh, the best car probably didn't win, or best truck didn't win, but Ben Rhodes finished stage. He finished stage both stages and fourth. And Ben Rhodes, you know, for being daddy's money, and he's been in this series I don't know how many years, and he led four laps, but he led the one that mattered most. And he was going to make the playoff anyway, uh, but, you know, getting this win's a big uh, deal for him, his career, Matt Noyce as a crew chief. And for Derek Krause, it's an opportunity lost for a guy who's won two West championships, running a great Ron Hornaday throwback because Clyde doesn't seem inclined to run one because he's an idiot. Derek Krause finally ran a Ron Hornaday throwback. He should have won that deal or had a chance to win that deal. Uh, the truck series, it's going to be really intriguing on Thursday night uh, here uh, to for this cutoff uh, with some of the, the three drivers with Moffitt, with Krause, and with uh, Todd Gilliland. Two of those three are going to make the playoff, and one of them is going to be going, uh, be pretty uh, sad after 250 laps at Richmond on Thursday night. But, uh, yeah, trucks at uh, Darlington. It was definitely uh, that last, that late caution there with uh, Matt Crafton really um, was sending the 17 and, the double zero there with Josh Rayum because it's Josh Rayum and David Reagan because, you know, sorry, man. Um, David Reagan was running well, at least. He got, he got, he was getting top fives in both stages, but it didn't work out well there late. Yeah, you get, you know, he, a couple of pit stops really put him in the, put him back there, but uh, give credit to that 17 truck. They hadn't run all year and to go up there and finish in the top five in both stages and, and really were, uh, in prime position to get a top 10 run, it's a pretty darn good day when you consider that, you know, he was beating a lot of guys who've run all year and have a lot of experience in the truck series. Um, and, you know, unfortunately that last caution came out. But it was an interesting race because you had Biffle in there. We didn't see much from Greg Biffle. You know, he was a GMS yeah. truck. There's, and you thought with with GMS and, and the, how good of a year they've had and, and considering Biffle won last year uh, at Texas, that maybe Biffle would go out there and, and his track record at Darlington in, in Cup Series is amazing. Uh, for him to go out there and, and really not even crack the top 15 much in much of the day was was head scratching for sure. And the other other guy who uh, made a sort of comeback was Trevor Bain, um, and he's in the news again today, Philip. And I want to kind of lead us into this. Uh, Bain's going to drive the 45 truck this weekend at Richmond. And if you've been following along with the truck series, the 45 truck's been occupied all year by Ty Majeski. He was supposed to drive that car that truck all season. And in, on the entry list this weekend, uh, it is Trevor Bain in the 45, and Ty Majeski is out. I reached out to Ty Majeski's PR folks to ask if we could get a comment. They declined, politely declined a comment on what was going on with the 45 truck. But uh, a guy who's one of the nation's best short trackers going to the first short track of the year for the truck series, uh, kind of head-scratching. He was replaced, and Trevor Bain is in there, former Daytona 500 champion, what were your thoughts when you heard the news today that Majeski had been removed for Trevor Bain? Well, it's just, it's sad, really. 
Uh, it's it was I think based on what had worked out last year when GMS still had or I mean or Nice had GMS equipment. Ty Majeski and that group was doing good work with, of course, you had Ross Chastain running the 45 with Phil Gould. Uh, they had good things going there. And then the GMS uh, support uh, went and they decided to run four full-time trucks. And in part, you know, the Nice team went back to what they were uh, prior to 2019, which was basically and also ran a team that really is a field filler. And Ty Majeski, unfortunately, has paid the price. There are times this year where he was running well enough where if he stayed within himself, knowing the kind of ability and talent he has, he probably could have gotten a better finish. And he pushed the limit, and it didn't come out. It come out well. Uh, Pocono is a great example of that to me. Uh, there's a couple other races this year, you know, flipping on your lid at Daytona to start the year wasn't great, but to go and fire him for a guy, you're in for a guy who literally a week ago was driving a dirt late model. I mean, I get it that uh, the car, the, the guy who, who's the, who runs the organization uh, is friends with Trevor Bain and they work together, Cody Ethaw. But thinking Trevor Bain coming off the couch a week and a half ago is better than than Ty Majeski going to a short track is idiotic. Um, I mean, I got a better idea for this organization. How about you run one truck and make it make that truck run well? How about that notion? Um, whether you have two trucks that are scoring points or for some sort of or owner points, okay, fine, run two trucks. They've been running three, four trucks all year for no reason, really, because none of them have been good outside of when Ross Chastain shows up. I mean, let's be completely honest about it. You're, you're, you're completely screwing the regular driver and you're putting all the effort in a one-off for a late or limited race driver. And, I mean, in the end, Phil Gould's going to leave the organization at the end of the year to go with Ross Chastain wherever he goes, whether he goes to, to Spire to run full-time cup, whether he goes to Genassi to run full-time cup. That's where Phil Gould's going. Uh, so you're not even going to have your main crew chief. So I don't know what the plan is for Nice. I don't know how they make it through. I guess they're going to keep what's-her-face to drive one of the trucks, and, and she'll be able to be on Instagram and be a influencer, but you still don't have a team. You want to have a coffee shop owner and an Instagram influencer be your drivers. You might as well just run 20th in your truck series, which is pretty mediocre, to, to say the least. Yeah, that's the thing I, I think – for me, the biggest disappointment is, you know, Majeski is a guy who is this great short tracker, but this is sort of his second shot uh, in NASCAR. You know, if you want to consider the 60 car, which was an absolute disaster a couple of years ago. Well, that was a disaster um, for all of them. It, 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 for everybody, for Cindric and everybody. And Cindric was able to survive that, and so was Briscoe. But for Majeski, he kind of was on the outside end because of the Roush, Roush um, development deal. And hopefully that's something that, 
you know, uh, maybe Chevrolet got wind of something that they said, listen, he's going to go back to Ford. We don't want him to have, uh, you know, our setups for next year or something to that nature. Maybe something happened there. I don't know. Uh, that's best-case scenario. But, you know, when he was in the ARCA series and got in a really good ride, he did not disappoint. He won, what, three three or five races and finished second in the other two. I mean, he was tremendous when he got the opportunity to, to run in solid equipment. So, um, oh, yeah. you know, disappointing. To, he was great. And he's won a lot of short tracks in, in, around the country. And, you know, maybe that's what his career will turn into is, is just a, a you know, Bubba Pollard, uh, modern-day Bubba Pollard. But, um, you know, he's a guy I think des- deserves better. And uh, hopefully we'll see him catch on somewhere. And uh, maybe we'll get his side of the story here in, in next week or so on exactly what happened with that 45 truck and why they decided to go to a brain. I think there might be some financial uh, things behind that. Maybe iRacing said we can't do it anymore and Bain's got Pro, Pro Keller 8 or whatever that sponsor is that he had on his truck last week. Step it up for this weekend at Richmond. And you got uh, a bunch of other drivers with Natalie Decker who brings some funding and uh, Carson Hoshiver who brings some funding there as well. So maybe there's some funding issue there with that Nice Motorsports team. But I'd love to hear the story behind it because it is certainly head-scratching, especially when you look at it and say, you know, if Majeski somehow gets up there and, and looks into a win uh, at, at Richmond, he's into the playoffs. You know, so yeah. – um, it's just an odd, it's odd timing. You know, you could have waited a week if you wanted to put Charbain in the car, truck and say, yeah, we're going to wait a week and then we'll put Charbain in it. You know, and if he doesn't win at Richmond, you say, okay, we tried. We, we gave it the regular season. He's not in the playoffs anyway. This season's kind of shot. So let's just, you know, put Charbain in it and see what we can do. Yeah, it makes sense. I would have been much more okay with that. It would have made much more sense. But to have one race to go in a regular season and a short track where Majeski can shine, uh, it kind of makes you scratch your head a little bit. Uh, other guys we're going to be looking out, out for this weekend at Richmond, the guys that, that um, I think you know are going to really do everything they possibly can to win this race and get in. One is Johnny Sauter, another tough issue. He's complaining about the Ilmore engines again. Uh, had an engine problem at Darlington. was running good, but then had the engine, engine issue kick up. So he's on the outside looking in right now in the playoffs. And, of course, you have Stuart Friesen, who's had a really tough year all year and uh, has not really come close to a win. And uh, he's got to try and get himself into the playoffs as well. So uh, a couple of guys who are on the outside looking in there. I was going to put Majeski in that group, but uh, those two guys particularly are looking for a solid weekend um, at Richmond and to run really well. So uh, let's get our picks here, Philip, before we sign off here. Uh, who do you think wins the, uh, the Cup Series race? will start their Cup and then give me uh, two picks for the Xfinity because they're running two races this weekend. And, of course, the Truck Series race will run Thursday. Uh, give me your picks for each of those races, starting with the Cup Series. Yeah, Cup Series. I'll um, I'm going to go chalk. I'm going to go Hamlin. He kind of gave away an opportunity at Darlington. There it wasn't as good as Truex, but uh, Truex has made uh, recently for a guy who never won short track race. He he's been really good recently, um, but uh, I'm going to go with with the D11 car, uh, Jacob Cantor is going to be on the 18 car just, uh, for people that want to go and Greg Zipidelli coming off the bench, uh, will be on the 14 car. But, uh, for me, it'll be the 11 for the Xfinity series. That's a, it's a good one. I, I figure, figure you got two races there. You got a night race and then you're going to have a very short turnaround. For a day race, I'm not sure. I think the invert is top 20 
And I think that's the way that they've, they've gone about business with these um, uh, second races. I think the first race goes to... Um, I, I, I figure one of the... Uh, uh, I, I'm going to go with Allgaier. I don't know why, but I'll go with Allgaier. Um, he's, he's had his on and off year. I think Allgaier goes out there, wins the night race um, on Friday night to go bowling dot com to fifty, and then the Virginia is for racing lovers two fifty. I'll go with Chase Briscoe. I'm not trying to be a fanboy or anything. I just feel like the day race will suit him and the ninety eight crew a lot better than the night race. Um, he's well behind in regular season points, so it doesn't really matter. But uh, I think that's what we'll see. We'll see two guys that have a chance, a uh, good opportunity to make the Final Four, go and do what they have to do there. And then in the truck series, um, that's who? Um, truck series is going to be uh, interesting one for sure. I think Johnny Slaughter is going to run over somebody. That that I can guarantee. I want to guarantee that Johnny Slaughter is going to run over somebody because I really feel like that's going to happen. He already said it. He was doing what does the Kurt say all during that race on um, Sunday. Uh, I think I want to pick one of these guys that have to go and back in to this playoff, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go and pick I'm gonna go and pick uh, um, I'm gonna pick Brett Mosses. He's not known for being the best on the short tracks, but he's been there for so many of these races. I just feel like at some point he's gonna go and get over the hump and finally get that win. And he goes and gets that win on Thursday, gives himself some stage points and playoff points going into the playoff uh, at Bristol the following week. So I'll pick Brett Moffitt. I'll give my picks quick here. A cup series uh, event, I'm going to go with uh, Ryan Blaney. I think Ryan Blaney is going to have a really good run, and he's going to pull off a win. They're going to put it all together, and he'll get into the playoffs that way. Uh, For the uh, race on Saturday night, I'm going to go Kyle Busch. He's in that race, driving a 54 car to be Starburst on that car. Uh, this weekend, no. it's he's just running Saturday. He's not running Sunday. I'm going to go Kyle Busch Saturday and Ross Chastain. I'm going to go on Sunday. Uh, he's been really close to winning some races here. I think the short track will even the playing field just a little bit. I think the Colic teams are a tad off on the on the mile and a half tracks and the tracks where you really need a lot of speed. But on these shorter tracks, they can certainly uh, hold hold themselves accountable and, and do really well. I think Ross is going to hold into victory lane there. Uh, the Truck Series event is an interesting. Certainly interesting one. I look at a guy like uh, Grant Ficker, who's got a lot of short track success from his days in the ARCA series. But I'm going to go Moffitt, too. I just think Brett's been the most consistent guy recently over the last five or ten races. Uh, he's got to get to Victor Lane here soon. He, he's just been knocking on the door left and right, whether it was this road course at Daytona this weekend at, at Darlington. Uh, he's been so close so many times recently. I think he's got to go to Victor Lane and get into uh, get to, get his first victory of the year in the truck series. Uh, great job as always, Philip. Um, let us know. I know you got uh, your group trip podcast coming up as well. When, where can we hear that? And uh, 
What are you talking about on that show? Yeah, we're going to be talking about everything we talked about here on Talking in Circles for NASCAR, but we'll also be talking about the uh, dramatic uh, Italian Grand Prix that took place on Sunday. We'll also be going over IndyCar and all different types of motorsports that going on all over the world on the GSP. And uh, you can find us on uh, Podbean. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, TuneIn, and uh, find philpgmatthew.com where uh, my blog is. And uh, I have a new deal working for writing, so I'll be just like you. I'll be a writer again. Uh, Clayton and uh, we'll uh, we'll be able to get talk about that more next week. But just glad that we're able to get back uh, on the show again. I know you had to go on vacation with the misses, and God bless. And hopefully uh, we'll be back uh, for the rest of the season, back regular routine talking about NASCAR here on uh, Talking Circles. Yeah, I think it was a great show tonight. We talked about a lot of interesting topics. Got a lot of opinions on a lot of different things, and uh, the Grid Strip Podcast is certainly the same. If you're interested in, in, in not only NASCAR but uh, Formula One, also uh, IndyCar, as you mentioned, and, and anything else that you're interested in, we'll, we'll cover that over there. I want to thank everybody for listening tonight. I'll see you in circles. We'll see you next time. Good night.